You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Gentlemen, so you join us uh, on the segment uh, called the Travel Express. And on our Travel Express, it's uh, none other than our very own Ibrahim Badacha. He's my Ibrahim Ba, and he takes us straight into yeah the terminal, right into check-in. And when they see Ibrahim Ba, they say, hey, 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 no need to check-in. You just walk straight into the plane. Mm. Straight, are you, have you got your seat belt on? Are you ready for takeoff, people? Yes, it's time for us to take off on Travel Express with our Ibrahim Ba as the captain of uh, this uh, plane. Yeah, a beautiful aeroplane. It's a big one. It's a massive one. Ibrahim Ba, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Uh, wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Shafat and all our listeners out there to Radio Marcus Sahaba. Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, I'm on top of the world this evening. You know, Ibrahim Ba, whenever you come on uh, your segment, I get excited because I know the information that you give is just unreal and your flow and, uh, you know, the enthusiasm of the listeners too uh, actually has uh, gripped me. So I'm enthusiastic as the listeners and I'm going to get straight into the topic, Ibrahim Ba. Mm. This would SAA. It's not the Shafat Ahmad Airlines. Yeah, yeah. I wish it were. I wish it were. <laughs> Look at it. A-F-A-L. Why don't they make it S-A-K? Shafat Ahmad yeah. Khan. I mean, the lighty. I must have been nine years old, eight years old, mm. and dreaming about airplanes and this. But Allah made it so, Ibrahim Ba, that one day Allah said, no, no, don't worry. You will fly. You will fly. But you'll fly on radio with yeah. Ibrahim Ba. So you know what? It's Ibrahim Ba and I flying uh, this evening. Ibrahim Ba, S-A-A wants four planes and they want it like yesterday what's mm. it all about ba uh, well look uh, i think uh, saa the new saa if we can call it that is a little bit crazy in the estimation that to think that they will get what they want because it's not such a easy affair like going and buying chocolates or something in the supermarket you know this is an airline that we're talking about and an aircraft anyway just to get to the bottom of this thing i think we've got a very busy schedule for tonight so let's fly with it uh, saa has issued a request for bids to lease four airbuses not one not two but four airbuses a320 200 passenger planes and the configuration, they say, should carry about 138 uh, passengers with the aim of rebuilding its fleet. Now, the national, listen to this, the national carrier has the goal three years on a power by the hour, you know, for people not in the know uh, mm-hmm. basis. Basically, it's paying just a monthly fee, uh, but will not involve the government, and that's understandable, in a deal, or, or they don't want to even offer any deposit, right? Now, SAA has requested that the first plane be delivered next month, which is a pipe dream as far as I'm concerned, and the remaining three by August, with no extension beyond September. And the airline's preference for financial terms has raised many concerns with some suppliers, stating that the terms are so improbable and risky that the deal will be either extremely expensive and most probably unlikely to be accepted by anyone that is sane in the industry. SAA stated on Friday that it has been given the green light to expand its fleet with six aircraft, including the four on tender and two others, one A330 and one 320. These planes have already been secured from the lesser community. That's not lesser, meaning smaller, meaning lesser, the ones that do the leasing. Community on the same terms as the ones in the new request for proposals. 
And uh, SA aims to relaunch international routes and increase seat capacity for regional and domestic destination with these new planes. So that's the story with SAA. I'm not sure whether that deal is going to be uh, taken up by anyone, but uh, we'll wait and see, Brother Shafa. Yeah, very uh, comprehensive there and uh, concise, our Ibrahim Bar there. And uh, now, you know, Ibrahim, are you looking at uh, this headline, uh, this, uh, uh, you know, article that says, women struggle under Erdogan's uh, conservative uh, conservative uh, role. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like painting, you know, before the election, a negative picture about Erdogan. I mean, the other day I saw a clip where a lady actually, you know, she had a tray and with some uh, of the baklava and some lovely sharpa there. He was going in a, in a, in a motorcade or he was in the bus. He stopped the bus, came out of the bus, mm. you know, ate those uh, baklava. I mean, you could see how liberated the people feel. But this seems, uh, this smells of a West toxicated article. And we know for a fact uh, that tourism is on the high, on a very big high in uh, Turkey. Everyone's going to Turkey. The Russians are going to Turkey. Mm-hmm. The South Africans are eating Turkey in Turkey. Talk to us, Ibrahim Ba. I mean, this article is... Yeah, well, uh, it is a very provocative article. And the thing is, if one looks at who, where it appeared, this is now AFP, which is uh, for the benefit of the listeners, Ashans France Press, right? That is a Frenchies, of course, and uh, you know their angle on Islam. I don't have to say anything more, right? And this is just gullible women that they find here and everywhere. You know, every country has them, unfortunately, that fringe lunacy that carries on over there. And talk about women's rights and feminism and, and all sorts of nonsense like that, okay? So, uh, yes, the... Uh, the uh, the elections are coming up in a week or two, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, this is the angle that they are playing to think that, uh, you know, uh, everything is not uh, so wonderful in Turkey. Right. And they say as Turkey approaches its next election, AFP reviews the status of women's rights in the country. I mean, their own country is rotting with all the rights and everything that's going on all over the country over there. But they don't talk about that here. They want to uh, sort of uh, influence the voters to try and give them a false impression that all is not good in the country under the presidency of uh, Erdogan and his Islamic AK party that is described, self-described, of course, as a conservative Democrat. Okay. And uh, they're talking about uh, violence against women, uh, femicide, and so many women were killed last year, the year before. And uh, the fact that the government decided to withdraw Turkey from what is an European convention. They call it an Istanbul convention, but it's basically a European convention aimed at combating violence against women that has raised further concern. Okay. Now, conservative women, they say, have also made stride with Erdogan's government lifting the ban on wearing headscarves. I mean, anyone that is a true believer or a Muslim would dress appropriately. So it's no big deal that the headscarves are now in play over there. And that is something that they're talking about that happened way back in 2013 or thereabouts. Also, they raised issues about reproductive health and the fact that uh, Erdogan declared abortion as murder in 2012, which it rightfully is. And uh, that led to demonstrations and causing the government to back down on that ban, of course. but because of that, only a few doctors are now willing to perform uh, abortions. 
and access to contraception and hygienic products have been difficult for women struggling with poverty. I mean, one would think they're more worried about keeping a roof over their clothes on their back and food in their stomach than talking about all that nonsense, but there you go. Uh, that is, of course, they're talking about the uh, economic crisis that was engineered by the West, of course, in 2021. And uh, also, get this, they're saying that uh, Erdogan and his senior officials of the ruling party have a history of making overtly sexist comments. Get that, that's purely Western propaganda, right? And advocate a policy that put family first instead of women, and so they should. I mean, what's more important? Uh, feminism and the rights of women, which uh, Islam uh, holds, you know, as one of the highest ideals when the West was still, you know, in the dark ages. Uh, this is definitely a hit piece by AFP, and I think we should treat it with the contempt it deserves. And uh, of course, they say that Turkish women will continue to fight for their rights. And now that the uh, scarf is being, you know, okay to be worn in public, they make big deal out of it and say, oh, religious and secular women can be working together in feminist organization to protect their rights. You know, with every right comes a responsibility that no one wants to talk about. I mean, look at the West. Look at what is the lot of the women in the West because of this uh, crazy, what's the name, feminism uh, ideal that was foisted upon them. They are the losers ultimately because the guys are just not interested in them. It's, it's a bad deal to get married to anyone in the West because all they're looking for is a meal ticket and they think that just because they can push up and look good, then that's all they got to do. Sorry, it don't work that way anymore, brother. Well said there, Ibrahim Ba, and uh, you know, uh, most of them claim to be a Christian West. Mm -hmm. So, what Christian West are you when you look at Mother Mary? Maria exactly. Salam, you look at her, <laughs> Mother Mary is veiled all the time. Exactly. You know, I mean, the hypocrisy, and then you go with the nuns, you go to the uh, exactly. Catholic Church, the uh, nuns are wearing their habits. So this is a very bad habit where it stinks of, uh, you know what, uh, Islamophobia. than hypocrisy, that's what it is. That's yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Ba. Mm. Yeah, you know, you... You bring out the best on radio. There's no doubt about that. Then you find, you know, whilst you're talking, I thought about the anti-monarchist um, uh, uh, that were arrested oh, before the coronation oh, of, uh, <laughs> you know, the King Charles. I yeah. mean, hey, even where, where is the freedom of uh, speech or freedom of the press yeah. with the West? Yes. They are so critically against, uh, uh, you know, Islam. Mm -hmm. No, well, look, if we talk about uh, the newly crowned... Uh, King Charles and his queen, both of them, and this is, I'll say it very clearly, one is an adulterer, the other is an adulteress, right? And uh, some people think that it's so wonderful to have this king and queen crowned over there. I mean, really? I mean, that's like the dregs of society, getting someone from the gutters to go and sit on top over there. Anyway, they talk about uh, monarchy and freedom of speech and all that sort of thing. Yet the police in London have been criticized for arresting six organizations, six organizers basically, from the anti-monarchy group called Republic and seizing hundreds of their placards just hours before the coronation of King Charles III on Saturday. That was a weekend that just went past. And the activists had planned to protest along the route of the procession with placards declaring, not my king, and rightfully so. And the arrest prompted criticism from uh, Human Rights Watch, which called them incredibly alarming. 
and the detention came just days after controversial new anti-prostate powers were granted to UK police forces by the government under a new law rushed through this week. So they knew it was coming, and this is what they did. Uh, separately, at least nine, 19 members of a Just Stop oil group were arrested in central London. And uh, new police powers that were enacted after months of disruptive tactics by the group opposed to fossil fuels. Right? And the law entails stiffer jail terms against activists who glue and padlock themselves to immovable objects like poles and uh, streets, uh, what's the name, traffic signals and things like that. And uh, of course, the Metropolitan Police uh, tweeted that officers had made numbers of arrests and significant police operations and all that nonsense. And four people were held at the scene of the detention of Republic's activists on suspicion of conspiracy to cause public nuisance. Listen to the words over there, on suspicion of conspiracy to cause. You know, it just boggles the mind, and yet they want to stand there like paragons of virtue and lecture to everyone, to hell with them, that's what I say. Yeah, Ibrahim, you know, sometimes people, I say monarchy and a monarchy, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, my English, uh, sometimes I don't talk like Prince Charles, mm. I talk like a child then, <laughs> but anyway, mm. bear, with, uh, bear with me, uh, people. But Ibrahim Ba, hey, he's the, uh, he knows his English. He knows it well indeed. Uh, I mean, I hear this every time. Itikweni gears up for another tourism. <laughs> I mean, every year we, we talk about this, Ibrahim Ba. Yeah. Are we climbing a ladder or are we just um, falling off the ladder all the time? Talk to us, Ba. Well, look, I think uh, the status quo is just barely being maintained, I think, because uh, given the wealth of uh, tourism attractions that we got here in KZN and indeed in South Africa and in Africa, you know, going even further afield. Uh, I believe that a lot, lot more could be done to uh, raise the stakes and raise the uh, influx of tourism in South Africa. Anyway, we'll chat about it on, uh, on the next uh, What's the Name About Tourism as well. Apparently, they've gone and formed a new tourism uh, management system or something. New people have been brought in. Let's hope that they can work. Anyway, coming back to this travel in Daba, right? As you know, Durban's still lucky to have it because there was uh, uh, rumors going around at some stage a few years back before COVID that uh, they might lose it to uh, either Gauteng or the Cape Town. And uh, it's going to be at the uh, uh, Abbot Lutuli Convention Center, ICC basically, from the 9th, which is, I think, uh, today, no, tomorrow, 9th to the 11th of May, right? It's a three-day show, basically, organized by South African Tourism to provide a platform for African tourism exhibitors to showcase their offerings to international and local buyers. And there you'll get your destination marketing companies, leisure tourism, and all the other uh, bits and pieces that fit into it. And uh, the trade show is preceded by a dedicated business opportunity network day. I would think that's today. It's called Bond Day instead of Monday, which seeks to create a platform for thought leadership, knowledge sharing, and obtaining the, the latest in global trends and local insights, right? The program is developed in close collaboration with global tourism partners, uh, organizations, continental experts, and of course, uh, travel associations per se. And, uh, 
of course, they want to highlight uh, KZN as a destination of choice in South Africa as well. It's warm and inviting coastline, safari parks, rolling green hills, vast sugarcane and banana plantations that uh, just down your alley there. And uh, the rich history that it boasts with its battlefields and Nelson Mandela capture site. Uh, these are just some of the many popular tourist attractions that KZN has to offer. And uh, of course, it's renowned for its two World Heritage Sites. And uh, I'm going to have a go at this. It's called Ukashamba, Drakensberg Park, and the Greater St. Lucia West Wetland Area. So those are two World Heritage Sites, according to UNESCO, and that's in our KZN area, of course. And uh, lots of international delegates. I believe the hotels on the Strip are running 95% upwards. Some are absolutely sold out. And of course, they would have uh, the opportunity of a vibrant spice market, authentic Zulu culture, uh, vibrant cityscapes, and nightlife as well. So. Uh, as a host venue, I think uh, we're going to have to work hard to pull Durban up to an international level. I mean, the conference itself, the convention itself is world class, of course, but uh, Durban still has a long way to go insofar as, uh, you know, upping its game to be really genuinely considered a world class city that's uh, worth, uh, you know, talking about in the same breath as the others. So that's the story with the travel in Dava, Well, Ibrahim, you're talking about that. Uh, it looks like you and I will have to do a live coverage there mm, together. Mm. Yeah. Walk around with our microphone and that. See what you can do there. And if you do, you know, it will be a, a good scoop for our segment, inshallah. We'll see what can happen there. But anyway, it's not a hard and fast rule. Well, this, uh, you know, this uh, company, SAFA, and mm. they were advertising a nine rand a ticket. Yes. 50,000 seats sold in five hours, Ibrahim Ba. Talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a fact. Eh? And uh, that nine rand is, what, less than one dollar, if one looks at it in dollar terms. And uh, yeah, you're right, in just under five hours, the sale attracted over 1.4 million people, with most shoppers accessing the sale from mobile devices. And the nine rand tickets were spread across the airline's uh, domestic network. Most tickets were sold uh, between Johannesburg, uh, Cape Town, and Durban, George, and Port Elizabeth, with Johannesburg mean, mean, being the main hub. And the carrier reported that the sale generated a fair amount of attention for the airline, with the sale becoming something of a hallmark for SAFE. And uh, since its inception nine years ago, Fly, Fly SAFE has now sold more than 150,000 tickets for anything between one and nine rands. So uh, I think these guys are playing smart over here. Instead of spending that money on uh, expensive advertising, they're giving the benefit to the passengers or the traveling public. And uh, of course, it makes perfect sense if you look at it that I get a chance to fly for nine rands, right? Experience the airline and things like that and have good memories at the end of the day. And if I'm going to fly again, the first choice is, of course, going to be the not going to fly so fair. So this is a good marketing ploy by them, and uh, hats off to them on that. And uh, those seats that still haven't been snapped up at nine rand, Plysafe has offered a 30% discount on the net fare of any seats that are not sold. Okay, so it gives them a further opportunity to access saving. 
And incidentally, the uh, website, the website handled a record volume of traffic during the sale, processing uh, 492 tickets per minute at peak demand. So that's uh, quite something, eh? And uh, the carrier hopes that the sale was given many people who have not yet been able to fly the opportunity to experience air travel. So well done to Surfair. Uh, you know, the, 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 the important thing that you said there, Bramba, is that the stroke of genius, instead of spending exactly. uh, a lot of money on advertising, look mm. at the companies uh, they got and everyone That's looking. That's the good thing that it generates, for God's sake. Oh, that's a absolutely a stroke of genius there. Mm. And yes, people, if you really want a man to do your marketing, who are you going to call? Ibrahim Ba. He knows how to market this man. He's a genius also. Well, Ibrahim Ba, this article, you know what? It's like uh, an ally, a very unholy alliance. <laughs> He's very, uh, discussing a possible direct Hajj flights uh, to Saudi Arabia. I mean, this is like, we never uh, dreamt of this. Bar. about the polecats of the world, but anyway... <laughs> Yeah, Israel has expressed hope that Saudi Arabia would allow direct flight for its Muslim citizens. Since when do they give a damn about them? I'd like to know. Who wish to undertake mm. the next month? And this should be a move uh, that would be another step towards the so-called normalization between the uh, relationships of the two nations. And although Saudi Arabia has signaled approval for Israel's forging of ties with Gulf neighbors like the UAE and Bahrain, it has held off following suit, citing the need to address Palestinian statehood first. Uh, recent events, however, have also clouded the prospects of direct flights, uh, including, of course, uh, Riyadh's strained relationship with the sleepy Joe Biden and company in the U.S., its attempt to mend relations with the regional rival Iran and the rise of Israel's hard right government, okay? And uh, Israeli Foreign Minister uh, Eli Cohen has said that a request has been submitted, but Riyadh has not uh, offered any confirmation as yet. And Muslims from Israel and Palestinian territories, let's just say Palestine, right? And currently travel to Mecca via third uh, party countries, incurring additional expense and, of course, inconvenience. And uh, since 2020, Saudi Arabia has allowed Israeli airlines to overfly its airspace to reach the UAE and Bahrain, uh, an air corridor that has since been expanded to include other destinations. And while the Biden admin had predicted there would be direct charter flights from Israel to Saudi Arabia for Hajj, it is now unclear if this will indeed still go ahead. Yep. Yeah, Ibrahim Ba, and uh, our Muslim citizens, our Muslims, you're massacring them, you're perpetrating exactly. on them. Exactly. And then you, I mean, what do they gain by this? I mean, even they too, they will handpick so who... They follow the money, brother. I always say follow the money. They won't do it if there's no money in it. Like I say, if they could charge you for the air that they breathe, they would do it. So remember that. Yeah, people, pay as you go. You pay as you go. Mm. Yeah. Time. Ibrahim Ba is talking about the real oxygen that you'll breathe. Imagine if they do that. And if you don't pay, they cut off your oxygen supply. Yeah. Wow, Ibrahim Ba. You know, it's a frightening, it's a frightening reality. Yeah. Then we, uh, you know, people, yeah, during uh, our party time, everyone says, hey, I'm going to Swaziland, I'm going to Swaziland. Mm-hmm. Hey, Swaziland. Well, we see Iswatini Air launches a new route connecting Durban to boost uh, tourism and trade. I mean, what we know about Swaziland is all those. Uh, 
people that come from, you know, the subcontinent, they first go into Swaziland yeah. before they run in Africa. <laughs> go ahead, Ibrahim. Yeah, this uh, Eswatini Air, for those that don't know what Eswatini is, it's a new name for Swaziland, basically. And this is Swazi, of course, by the uh, virtue of its name, Swazi-based airline. And it has launched a new route between uh, King Maswati, the third international airport in Manzini, and of course, our wonderful King Shaka International Airport in Durban. The route is being operated by an Embraer ERJ-145. That's a Brazilian-made aircraft, uh, quite a good one at that as well, and can carry up to 50 passengers. Initially, the airline will operate three flights a week on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays with plans to increase the frequency to seven times a week from June 2023 onwards, depending, of course, on demand. And KZN's MEC for Economic Development, Tourism, and Environmental Affairs expressed its pleasure with the new rules, stating that it will not only improve tourism opportunities, but also strengthen trade relations between the two countries. Uh, incidentally, more than 60% of Iswatini's exports go to South Africa, and more than 80% of its imports come from South Africa. And the route is expected to benefit the regional tourism market, as Iswatini is a significant player in the industry and has a strong historical and cultural ties to KZN. And to celebrate the launch of the new route, the government of KZN and Eswatini Air hosted a delegation of 40 Eswatini dignitaries on board the inaugural flight, including the Minister of Public Works and Transport and the Minister of Tourism, as well as key media and select tour operators. So that was the uh, inauguration of the new flight from Eswatini Air between uh, Manzini and Durban. You know, Ibrahim, uh, for that. Uh, when we talk about uh, tourism, we talk about, you know, getting things done in a jiffy. You mm. can't be the Marathis. You can't be these rulers from there, you know, the Sheikh Maktoums and all these guys. I mean, yeah, they came to the Eastern Cape within a, a week or yeah. so. They had it all done. They put special tents, you know, for what. And all they brought in whatever they wanted. And they spent uh, maybe millions and millions 20, on shooting rifles and this and that. But it was just done like that, Ibrahim. Yeah. Yeah, well, money talks and you know what else walks, right? <laughs> I have to tell you that. So if they've got the money, then the people have the time. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and they literally yeah came and did what they had to do, mm. uh, which, you know, you, you think about it and you say, uh, carrying the banner, I mean, got mm -hmm. Muslim names and doing that. That's why, you know, at the bottom, you, you cannot uh, judge uh, the religion uh, by this uh, facade. Right, of, the have, it, of course, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a worthy yeah, thing. Yeah. Do so what the worst thing one can do. No, absolutely. Well, Ibrahim, but I tell you, the um, you uh, you know handle the topics uh, with a prompt. I mean, you did it uh, in in record time, and you have uh, actually beaten the uh, the the, the uh, time limit here. We have a, a minute or two before we yeah, end up the look, program. Uh, just as I was saying earlier, Brother Shapati, we got a few minutes. Uh, Patricia Delille is now the tourism minister for South Africa. And uh, she has appointed three people to manage the affairs of the South African Tourism Board after the previous board was dissolved, right? And of course, uh, the three appointed people are Koleka Zama, qualified CA, Tim Harris, a tourism and, e and economic promotion specialist with the allegedly, 
20 years of experience in destination marketing, economic policy, investment promotion and governance. And of course, Vincent Tambo, who holds a law degree from the University of the Northwest and master's in law from Yale University. Now, these three characters have been put in charge over there because of the uh, faulty uh, board that was there previously. And they say faulty, they, they didn't know what they were doing. And of course, you'll know that uh, fiasco about uh, almost 950, uh, I don't know how many million, for that Totten Hotspur deal that was uh, scrapped thereafter. So this is the uh, new uh, heads of uh, the de- department have come in. And uh, Delil mentioned that she had a product productive and honest conversation with this interim board. And she feels that they know what they're all about. They understand the urgency and the work required to bring greater alignment. I love these words that they play with, you know, in all their work. And of course, you wish them well in their duties. So, uh, yeah, that's to fill in the last few minutes you had. So let's just hope they can uh, get up there and do something special and get more people coming into the country. Yeah, I hope uh, they do that, Ibrahim Ba. Other than it'll mean another and another and another, and the story won't end. Uh, Ibrahim Ba, absolutely brilliant as uh, usual. Your parting words uh, before we let yeah, you go. Yeah, let me just leave you with a prayer, I think. Uh, it goes like this. It says, may the sun bring you new energy by day. May the moon softly restore you by night. May the rain wash away your cares. And may the breeze blow new strength into your spirit. May you walk gently through the world and know its beauty all the days of your life. And may all of us be eternally grateful for and fully cognizant of the innumerable bounties our Creator has blessed us with. Amen. Beautiful indeed, Ibrahim. I'm going to add uh, that uh, ayat of the Quran there. So which is it of the favors of your Lord will you deny? Urdu mein kehte hai, kis kis nemit apki rabki jutlaoge. Ibrahim Ba, as I say, I embrace you, I celebrate you, and jazakallah khair. You have a beautiful, lovely evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair to you and the listeners, and thank you for the opportunity again. Most welcome, Ibrahim Ba. Yes, I'd like to thank Lukolo for great engineering. Keep it locked on to uh, Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I, till we meet you again, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.